You're listening to Two Sons of Tatooine. If there's a bright center to the universe, you're listening to the podcast that it's farthest from. And here are your hosts, Jonathan and Nathan. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Two Sons of Tatooine, the only podcast in the universe to geek out over the scenes of Coruscant. From this latest episode of Andor. Uh, my name is Nathan, a.k.a. NP Bro, and I am joined, as always, by my good co-host, Mr. Jonathan Cohn of YouTube fame, the book review channel. That's right. We will be talking about today the fourth episode of Andor, Aldhani. Aldhani, I believe the pronunciation, which catapults out of Andor into really the next whole phase of this storytelling. Uh, oh my gosh. Okay. Spoiler alert. Holy crap. I loved this episode so <laughs> much. So much. Um, Jonathan, how much did you love this episode? This might be up there for my favorite Star Wars television episodes. Um, wow. Of any series, including Mandalorian and Boba Fett. Like, I loved it. And there are, <laughs> there are a few particular sequences that you could probably guess what they are. That I particularly loved of this episode. Sure, sure. Um, and, it's, and, and I could say that, just to get it out of the way, it's not just, oh, they showed Coruscant. Like, that's not just what makes this episode No, great. no, 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 no. The dialogue. This Dude, is some of the most... who wrote the script? Because, let me wow. This is, so this is some Dan of the best Gilroy dialogue. Dan Gilroy wrote, obviously, he was, he was the writer, directed by Susanna White. I'm not familiar with her. We need no. to look up some stuff maybe yeah, that I'll she's done. Um, but um, Dan Gilroy. Oh, uh, my. So if he's related to, he obviously, is the brother. Tony. Yeah, then, he's the brother. Yeah, I mean, clearly, they put some... I, I, the continuity, like every single choice of dialogue, perfection. And yep. the biggest thing for me is... Like you're writing a serious story, and we don't have um, silly first order type of dialogue. Your mo- your mom jokes. We've got right. stakes. We've got like we've got a serious take on this whole rebellion alliance survival situation, mm-hmm. and it's definitely feeling to me like a more real lived in story, just because of the seriousness that they've taken with. But whether anything, I kind of jumped off, you know, talking about the script thing. You were saying right. the dialogue. I agree. Uh, what, what to me, and I know, and I've got my opinion, like, I thought as I was watching this episode, literally, I was like, oh my gosh, this first scene is do- definitely going to be the best scene in this whole episode. No, that is not. And then I kept saying, <laughs> oh man, that was a really good scene too. I wonder if that'll be the best episode. Oh, that was a really good scene. Uh, so, yeah, you, uh, you agree? Well, again, we talked last time how this show was in development for so long. And there were so many writers involved. And there's so many people working on it. Like You can tell, boy, did they want to get everything right. And I think they, I think, I think they have. And you talked the last episode how you needed something to anchor it in Star Wars. You were feeling, we need... You were like, we have, you know, Boba Fett had all the anchors. Oh, it's the Rancor. Oh, it's Boba Fett. Oh, it's the armor. Like, we had, we had, we had the, the anchors, but the writing was mm-hmm. just terrible. And then we had uh, the first three episodes of Andor <clears throat> had amazing writing. But, like, you could, if you didn't know it was Star Wars, you'd be forgiven for not knowing that it was Star Wars. So, yeah. so you were saying then, can we get the happy medium where we get both? And... I th- I think personally I think yes. this is the happy medium, uh, yes. and so that's why I love it so much. Is it, it blends the fandom stuff, and there's plenty of stuff like we talk. Uh, uh, Tony Gilroy is not a hardcore <clears throat> Star Wars fan, but they mm-hmm. did things in this episode that appease the hardcore Star Wars fans. They they finally let the story group go mm-hmm. in and say, all right, well we have to have a throwaway line here. Let's mention Utapau. We need a throwaway line here. Let's mention uh, the Rakatan Empire. Oh yeah. my gosh! Yep. Yes, yep. please and, give me more of that. Uh, Sly Moore, <laughs> uh, the yes, the, one, one of the yes em- coming emperors. to dinner. Gonna yes. come eat and in, in next episode. That, I, I I assume we'll see it. But if we yeah. see that, oh boy, did that set oh some gosh, high a expectations? Game at dinner. A game at dinner. Yeah. Yeah. Let me get that out of the way. Like the only negative thing I have to say about this episode is. It uses real cuss words. Right? Yes. Okay. Yes. So and same let me, with the let last me get one. this out of the way. Let me get this out of the way. Like 
Um, so in, I'm, I'm going to compare this to if you've not seen or caught up with Rings of Power. Um, Rings of Power right now is a show that has had some brief moments to where it hits and then a whole lot of miss moments. And I'd like to compare the most recent episode to uh, what I'd call the Rise of Skywalker moment where <laughs> – uh, but there are more of us. There are more of us, Poe. Um, or sorry, Finn. That is unearned, like, uh, victory kind of army right. to the rescue. Right. There's, like, no tension. There's no stakes. There's no people that we're attached to that's, like, that came together. It's just, oh, Lando shut up with the bunch and you of never people. Saw him, right? you never saw him go out and do the searching. You just no. see, up. Oh, he's gone and he's back. Yeah. I felt that same way in a recent episode of Rings of Power where it was, like, I think they tried to recreate Gandalf appearing on the fourth, fifth day with Aramir and all of his men. Right, right. So they tried to recreate that. Like, But we know Gandalf knew exactly where they'd be, when they'd be. He said he'd be there at that time. He knew exactly where to take everybody. When you have an army that shows up like, uh, how'd they find us? How did they show up at the right time? How'd they know? How did they get their horses here? How did they bring all this stuff in so, many sh- so few ships? All these questions, right? Okay, now I'm bringing it back to Andor. This is the type of story that we're not going to have a Rise of Skywalker moment. No. This type of story, they're doing it the right way, and they're planting things all along, and there's going to be payoff. I love watching this episode a second and even a third time and watching with subtitles so that I don't miss yep. anything. Yes, yes. <laughs> this is the type of show you have to do. And sure, the first time, yeah, just watch it. But listen, go back, because mm-hmm. there's all kinds of awesome references Absolutely. that you're going to pick up on and love. And if you don't do that... Uh, you may be kind of missing your chance to like see or pick up on like the foreshadowed elements, right. um, those I type mean, of things. You think about the like the the TV show The West Wing is my favorite TV show of all time because I've rewatched it like fifteen or twenty times and I still catch new things, not just references but turns of phrases, clever clever writing tricks that are used there. Mm. That's what we're getting with this. Uh, there, there's, there's, there's such cleverness to it. Um, yes. uh, the, the dialogue, despite the fact that they use real life swears, which I agree, I don't like. I like, I would prefer them to come up with their own or yeah, use the use Star, the Star Wars, Wars, Wars swears. But yeah, but that aside, other than that, they actually use quite elevated language, which is language that a lot of people are probably either it's either going to go over their heads or they'd have to look it up. They're clearly setting up the um, uh, like the plan and you see them. All right, this is this person's goal and this is this person's goal and this is how we're going to do it. And this is when and this is when this ship comes in and this is when like you <clears> see <throat> the plan unfold. And I assume either in the next episode or the episode after we'll see them execute that plan. But you see it so well thought out. That it's not mm-hmm. just like Book of Boba Fett where they explain it as it's happening or like Kenobi where they really just don't explain it and they just assume you'll just figure it out. This, it's like, yes. let's do all the setup. So when the characters are boom, 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 doing all this, you're like, all right, they knew that hatch was there. They knew these guards were there. You feel like they've earned their spy thriller <clears throat> genre because in the spy movies, the best parts are when they're actually setting up what the heist is going to be. We're going to get a mini heist in the next episode. And so I love that they're doing the spy tropes right while still getting some of the good Star Wars-y stuff as well. So, it, again, it's, it's getting that happy medium that we love. Here's a good example of what you just said. Luthen's scene where he kind of shifts his persona kind of back into yeah. this oh, Coruscant man. elite. Where he's just, he has just to standing practice. there. He's not, he even has to like, he's not even talking. He's yeah. just he does nothing but stand there. Facial skills. And he does this, yeah. It's this practiced smile. It's this persona that he wears, and you can tell so much just from the dialogue, the or the lack of dialogue, just from the uh, the way that he acts. This beautiful scene, and also, I, he's not convinced that he's going to like go in and things are going to be easy. He's going to oh, have yeah. to work hard. He's having to practice this. It's not going to be like a foregone conclusion. Oh, everything's going to work out. No. He's really trying everything, everything, every scene is a, oh, they could go either way. It's not like, well, Mando's obviously going to help Boba Fett or something like that, right. you know, um, and not, that's a, maybe not the best example, but I love that scene and I love how that fits into what you just said. Um, speaking back to like the, now the Andor and Luthen scene at the beginning. Yeah. Like the dialogue of this scene is brilliant. Mm-hmm. It's, it's taken so seriously that, you know, even though Luthen is, is, you know, pretty sure that he can convince them. There's part of him that's like, you know what? I, I may fail. And 
you know, Andor's going through everything, and he's really, really trying everything, playing every card. You know, Luthen's trying to convince him. Join the cause. Mm-hmm. Put a real stick in the Empire's eye. Make your death mean something. Yep. There's foreshadowing. He says, like, I, I'm willing to bet that you're going to die fighting these people, yeah. which is true. <laughs> right? And, and yeah. <clears throat> Spoiler alert. Sorry. Go <clears throat> but what's really cool is that when Cassian exaggerates the truth about his history fighting, right. he's called out and saying, no, you weren't fighting for those six months. You were a cook and you survived because you fled. I, when he calls him out yeah. on that and... Like Ender's kind of caught off, or Cassian, whatever. He's caught off guard a little bit, and that's when he starts to. I think he starts to gain respect for Luthen. Um, it's that, and this whole like, yeah, go ahead. It's that clever writing trick where you say you don't know yes. me, uh, and then the <clears throat> other character goes and just specifically details this super important part of your life and is able to do it in such detail that they could only say that if they actually knew you, like. Right, it shows right. that it, it makes me respect Luthen more because we knew bef- in the watching the previous episode, we knew that Luthen wanted Andor, not the box that he was trying to get. He was like, eh, if we get the box, say yes. that'd be nice, but he wanted Andor. And I mm. thought that was more of a, hey, I recognize a rebel. Hey, let's, let's hone this rebel and use him. But no, this isn't just any rebel. Luthen has actually thought, is right. this the right person? <clears throat> he's put time and effort. He's expended resources. <clears throat> this is not some random thing. And you see that he has determined, mm-hmm. I see a diamond in the rough here. And so he, he mm-hmm. that's why when, when Cassian does that, it also makes Cassian feel like, hey, Luthen has put such effort into getting to know me. Maybe he's right. You know, if he knows this much about me, maybe he has a point. Well, natural suspicion, right? Yep. If somebody walked up to you, Jonathan, and said, hey, you know what? I've got this huge, like, two million subscriber book YouTube channel for Star Wars. I'm kind of ready to retire. Do you want to take over my channel? <laughs> You'd be a little bit suspicious. Yeah. You'd be like, wait a second. This is really what I want. But, like, hang on. And then that person has bothered to find out and watch all your videos right. and, like, went back and listened to your previous podcast that you started on and, like, did their research about you and they know you. Mm-hmm. Then you're like, oh, well, they they actually do know me then because they knew me when I was really bad before exactly. I am now. Exactly. I've learned a lot. Right. You know? Right. They know the bad stuff about me and they're still okay. So by saying Luthen, you know, saying to Cassian, like, hey, I know the truth about this whole thing you just lied about. You know, I know the bad, and I still want you. And I'm offering you 200,000 credits, plus the advantage of you get to go and really hurt the Empire. It's exactly what he wants. Total, the way that you're going to pitch that on a script, I could not have done it any better myself. And there's so many times I thought, please just give me a highlighter and eraser, and I could go in and fix the script for Book of Boba or something, you know? Um, But anyway, this And and also, it shows the difference in the type of person that Luthen is as opposed to, say, Mm. Mon Motha or maybe even um, uh, the the Organas. Like, because if if Organa, if Organa is dealing with the Rebellion, he either expects someone who's working for him to do it because they work for him or he expects someone to do it for altruistic, purely altruistic reasons that they want to help other Mm. people and stop the Empire. But Luthen is smart. He realizes Cassian will do this for the right reasons, but he's not there yet. So he sweetens the deal and adds in a money factor so that Cassian can tell himself, now I'm doing this for the money. Mm. But the altruistic reason is still in the back of his mind so that Mm. when the next time there isn't a money option in the... so, So this time they're going to have the money option uh, as part of the as part of the um, the, the the mission but the next mission right. probably either will have a smaller money option or will have none at all but Cassian's already bought into the fight itself that the money will become right. irrelevant and so he's setting him up right. to become that altruistic fire exactly. so it's so it's a good thing of Luthen seeing all right it's going to cost me now but it's going to pay off in the future it just this shows is such how a you calculated character oh it shows such a mm. calculated mind and i love calculate like um, I love these kinds of people who think like Thrawn does, like think way ahead on the chessboard. People yes, who, who yes. are like, this isn't just what's if I move my pawn here, what is the queen going to do three moves from now? <clears throat> it's that those types of characters. And Luthen is definitely one of those. And that's why I just mm. I, I love it so much. 
Oh, gosh, yeah. Everything you said I totally agree with. Um, what did you think about the blue crystal he gave him? Any kind of story or something that will be back, like a payback later? I, um, I thought, actually, I, I thought it was a little was, foreshadowing of his death. but I, I thought it was less a foreshadowing of his death and more a foreshadowing that they're going to, that's going to have something about Luthen's past is going to come up <clears> later <throat> in the season. Um, I don't know whether he has a connection to the Jedi or whether he has mm-hmm. a connection to like the Church of the Force, like the I'm one of the <clears> Force <throat> people. Or I don't know whether he had like a daughter who became yeah. a Jedi. Or I think there's going to be... He collects stuff. He so collects like, stuff. I mean, that's but, more likely. But this one's important because he's like, this is my thing. I'm going to give it to you because I really right. trust you. I think that's or, more... It's more I about... I back. I think it's more foreshadowing Luthen less than it is foreshadowing Andor. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's foreshadowing not, Luthen's not, death. Yeah, maybe possibly. maybe Luthen's death. But I don't think it has... I thought, I thought you were saying Andor's because he you know, dies, cool, cool, cool. dies by Kyber Crystal. Okay, let's jump into the ISB. Yeah. So, oh, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Like, I, so, so just imagine what it must be like for the normie Star Wars fan, never read a book. Yeah. And they're like, wait, what's the ISB? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these guys all have different uniforms, yep. but yep. they're Imperials. Mm-hmm. And you're getting to see them for the first time, and it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And they go straight at it by comparing them to the Navy, saying, no, we're not the ma- Navy. And then even immediately, like, brilliantly dissecting and saying, we're not this mission statement either. We're a far more subtle cultural influence type of organization. Yeah. We are the like I have they the describe it as we're a healthcare go providers. Go ahead, and read yeah. the quote. So read the, quote. the quote is. Um, uh, by the way, I love <clears throat> Anton Lesser and his whole performance. He's he's one of my favorite mm. actors. I love I love him. Um, the so way he, sharp the way too. he commands the room is just impressive. But he's she says, what do we do? Why are we here? You want security? Call the Navy. Call a regiment of troopers. We are healthcare providers. We treat sickness. We identify symptoms. We locate germs, whether they arise from within or come from the outside. The longer it takes to identify a disorder, the longer it takes <clears throat> to treat the disease. That, that line, mm. one of the most brilliant metaphors ever in Star Wars, because in mm. that one paragraph there, not only does he establish the ISB, but he also demonstrates to the audience we are dealing with competent uh, Imperials here. They're not yes. always going to be yes. correct. They will not always have the correct answer because the one who gets correct the correct answer, she gets shouted, Deidre. She gets shouted down later in the episode when she has an mm. idea. They they tell her, "No, you're wrong." But they're competent in the way that they do that. And so it's in, in, that, in that scene. And they also establish the tone, not just that they're competent, but the tone of what the type of dialogue at the ISB is going to be. Um, uh, the way that he is, you know, it's always great when someone says like the, the full, like this is the exact word for word what the answer is in the book. It's like, oh, this is, this is what the book yep. says. And he's like, okay. Sunday the book school. says that. <laughs> this is what it actually is. This is the practical application. It's just oh, it, uh, elevated writing. That reminds me of college way too much. Yes, They're like, yes. <laughs> this is what we have to teach you. But this, this right here will not work practically. If you want to do it practically, then you got to figure that out on your own. This is what we have to teach you. Uh, I'm waiting, I'm waiting that, for uh, the meme of funny. Every word that you just said was wrong. Oh my god. <laughs> so yeah. The so Lagrat is talking and like he mentions the resources as if they're not infinite. Like mm-hmm. this is a this is a realistic approach to things. We have finite resources. We need to most uh effectively mm-hmm. allocate all of them and everybody's fine for more of this, more of that, and everybody has to make a pitch. And he like in the room. Oh my gosh! In this meeting, he's like, "No, I'm gonna reassign that. You you missed your chance." Yep. And people are like, you know, they like, "Oh crap!" Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. And uh, <clears throat> but it's it's this whole setup that gives you a competent empire, which desperately I had asked for. Mm-hmm. If, if you remember, oh, I had yeah. like said, "Please, please give us a competent empire." Sure, there will be some incompetent people in there somewhere, but oh my gosh! And the ISB like. Now, I think when I think ISB, I think um, in the Thrawn novels, you've got, uh, uh, what's the guy's name? Yularen. Uh, yes, Wolf-Yularen. Admiral Yularen. Who is, who, is, who, is, who is the head of the ISB, um, mm. uh, which I th- actually think 
side tangent, I think that was actually a mistake in Rebels. In Rebels, they included Yaloran, one, because <clears throat> they had the voice, and two, because fans would re- remember him. But as the head of the ISB, I feel like he should be the one in the room managing everything, not the one going out on all these missions with Thrawn. Um, uh, mm-hmm. But instead, right. this guy is the head, I mean, in the room leading the, the meetings, which, I mean, he does a fantastic job. But uh, yeah, sure, it's, yeah, it's Yularen in the Thrawn books. <clears throat> well, and it's interesting, Thrawn literally tells Yularen, he's like, I see, you possess the intellectual capacity to actually understand my plans, yes. you know, because, <laughs> like, so many other Imperials don't. Right. And he's, you know, like, you possess at least on par with uh, with Eli Vanto because he's able to, with just a tiny bit of information, he's able to put things together. Yep. And even though Yalaren is always suspicious, which that's kind of the ISB's way, is mm-hmm. very suspicious. And I feel like they're a little bit like the accountants in the room, too. Yep, yep. They're, they're like... Nope, you can't do that. Nope, you can't do that. The Navy's all like, no, we have infinite everything. Nope. That's what the ISB, a little bit, they're saying, no, we can't do that. We can't do that. But we, you know, they do They do also have this, like, spy vibe to them that's super, you know, I guess like the whole passing of information and whatnot. But anyway. And there's so, also, oh, also, there's, I want to talk about the second scene with the ISB. <clears throat> Because in mm. that scene, I didn't catch it really the first time, but I wa- when I watched it the second time, I was really impressed by it. In the scene, after he meets with the two officers that are bickering, and he basically says, I, I-, I like that you're taking initiative, but you don't have facts to back it up, and we cannot reallocate sources our resources based off of a gut feeling. So bring back facts, and I'll look at it. So first of all, he's saying, I don't mind that mm. you're trying something new, I just mind that you're not backing it up with something, which a competent officer mm. would say. Um, and then also in that scene, when the other officer leaves, he actually compliments her and says, this is another <clears throat> area of your department. You are doing great at this. I'm going to give you more mm-hmm. of this work because I recognize this is a skill you're really good at. Now, what he, what he doesn't know <clears throat> is that this other thing she's also really good at. Because she's noticing the pattern. But he does notice one thing she's good at. And he says, hey, you're doing good at this. Let me give you more because I think you can handle it. And so he's able in one scene to both basically tell her, hey, this is how we do things. You need to do this properly. And also, hey, you're doing this other thing properly. Way to go. Here's more more Mm -hmm. responsibility. It's such a nuanced way to have leadership. And you have to say – you kind of feel frustrated with the guy. Hey, listen, because we, we don't want to root for the Empire, but I was kind of going, hey, listen to her. She's right. But at the same time, I'm like, you know what? That's okay. That's okay. You do you, man. Yeah. You, you, you have your management style. She'll prove that eventually she's going to find her oh, proof. Oh, she is. Absolutely. It's clear. She was going to find her proof. Oh, absolutely. Um, I love the writing, too. Like, when you write a scene like that, there's always this, oh, how do we end it? They end it the perfect way. They're like, oh, there's an increase in prod, uh, product shifting towards the Scarif system. Scene end. Yeah. <laughs> like, because your mind only goes, oh, Scarif. I and, then, Scarif and then they cut it off, so it's like, it makes you go, ooh, ooh, yeah. ooh. And then, and then they're ooh. like making you think, Wait, maybe finish we'll what you were saying. Exactly. And then, yep. <clears throat> but then they cut it off. Yeah, so it's such a great way to end a scene, too. That's kind of how they end the episodes. Which trends over to the... That's kind of how they end the episodes, yeah, where you're, well, like, they, you're like, oh, oh, uh, okay, okay, I'll wait till next week. Like, okay. We'll, we'll see what happens. <clears throat> yeah. So that's when we get so on on the hills of uh, Aldani, um, we get Andor. Uh, he picks his name, Clem. Don't know where that comes from. Um, but that's when they talk about like uh, this human woman. So Vel is Vel. the leader mm-hmm. of these. Like it's a small group, and uh, you know the the description that um, that he gives is it's a good plan. It's a small tight group. And they need you for, for backup. Yeah. And he's like, okay, I'm in. And uh, I love that Vel objects. She, she to me, represents a, a character who's willing to put aside everything else for the sake of the cause. And she, if she believes that that person will hurt the cause, she's not going to hesitate to shoot him any second. Yep. If she believed that Cassian was, was going to hurt the cause. Mm-hmm. Or to even mess up the mission, even at all. But... On the chance that he can help, she understands that there is literally, like, at this point, seven of them versus, yep. like, 
the Empire. Right. And yes, there are factions. There are there are plenty of factions out there. Like even Andor mentions, he's like Alliance, whatever else, Saul Guerrero. He makes Partisans. whatever partisans. Yeah, he's they're all the same thing. In which you know, Luthen's like ah, so we agree. They are all kind of on the same side. <laughs> um, interesting right there. Um, but anyway. So the way that he pitches, and I still wonder how he knew that, you know, how how did he exactly find Cassian and, like, know that he was going to be so good at all these things? I don't know that. But anyway, Vel, skeptical, reasonable. She's mistrusting, reasonable, but she accepts it. Mm-hmm. She accepts it. She moves on. And then as they walk back, we get this great scene of, like, talking about, you know, uh, <clears throat> just the plan and how... They will, they'll tell the rest of the group, and it's going to be her idea. They'll never mention Luthen, which makes me ask the question of, like, what did she tell the group whenever she's like, hey, I've got to go right. away for a whole day? Mm-hmm. Like, because that's the type of thing that, guess what? The script lets us ask that question and say, this is a question you might have an answer to because it could be important. Like, you can ask these types of questions in a script that's actually well thought through, yep. you know? And it's planned this way. So anyway, and, I appreciate and also, that type of thing. I really liked when they get to the campsite, they have the Imperial come in. and Because oftentimes you have a plant um, uh, in movies <clears throat> or shows that are like spy thrillers. You have someone who's on the inside. And a lot of the mm. time the trope is we're just going to have the guy go in. In the in the uniform, and that's the and and oh, no one will expect him. Like oh, he's just an imperial officer. It's like guys, there's there's only so many imperial officers. They know there's like forty people at this space. There's, there's yeah. forty people. That, they're <laughs> gonna know if if there's a stranger just walking waltzing right in. So instead, they go the route of oh, this is a guy who's we've entrenched. He's been in there for months. They talk about how they've planned this one little thing mm-hmm. for months. They've been yeah, they, and they, they emphasize that they've been eating roots. Yeah, like they've been they've been surviving off the land. In they've been roughing it. Yeah, and here comes like oh, you're paying Cassian exactly. You're paying him two hundred thousand credits. And, what? And he's only that is not days. fair. And <laughs> this imperial he he establishes oh, I only have this amount of time that I can be out scouting. So <clears throat> this is the time I can work with you on this, and we'll train and we'll debrief, and then I have to go back. So he establishes, all right, this is how he's able to justify being away from the base, and this yep. is how he yep. justifies having to go back into the base later on. Like, the the, the writing, they, they, it's yeah. like they thought you out have all that. this stuff. Yes. You don't know how much I appreciate those things. Like, <laughs> it's just it's just given answers. And yes, an average 12-year-old watching this is not going to notice those things the way that I am. And they're but probably they not enjoying notice them when... A few years from now, when they get a little older right. and they go back to it, they're going to love it for totally different reasons. Then they're going to go back to it and be like, oh, my gosh, this is so much better than I thought. Or they'll just pick up and be like, oh, that's just stories. They don't have plot holes. There's just no plot holes because they well think through it. I'm like, oh, this is great. And I do know that this is kind of turning people off because there's no action scene really in this episode. Um, uh, and I Don't care. Uh, don't care. I, I, I said I don't care. <laughs> either but for instance <laughs> for instance my parents loved this episode my dad and i spent so long usually we just have a little oh that was cool that was a little like even with right. the episodes they like it's still a very brief conversation but we were getting into all the the discussions of the the, the language and stuff because we were just so fascinated by it so this is a show that is able to reach the audience mm. who isn't necessarily the pew pew audience this is getting to the oh this is like you know highbrow television Mm. So going on to the next scene where you've got um, the previous officers. So the main one is um, Karn and right. he and his buddy and the his boss. Yeah. They're basically like about to be court-martialed for yeah. screwing everything up. But but they're being reamed by this same ISB officer we had just seen. Yep. The, um, the guy who had been in the room and said kind of he had bumped heads with the female officer. What was her name again? Remind me. Her name was If Deidre. you remember – Deidre. His okay. name, I don't remember. So they had bumped heads. He was like, hey, it's give me jurisdiction, I, or we have jurisdiction. And he said no. Anyway, so he reams them. Yeah. And he won't even let them get in a single word. Like, the boss is like, 
trying to put his hand up, and he's like, "No, shut up." Yep. <laughs> and then, and then the other guy, you got um, <clears throat> Mosque, I think. Yeah. The other, the sergeant, he's like, puts his hand up, and he's like, "Really?" And he insults their competence. He said, talks about how stupid they were to screw this up, and then you know, there's this whole process. You have to, um, you have to certify. It's a virtual certify or something yeah. like that. Uh, hollow certify this, hollow certify, like as if there's all these processes, all these paperwork, mm-hmm. all these things that he's alluding to that I know absolutely makes sense to exist in the Empire oh, yeah. because that's the type of thing that the ISB does. They document, they file, they take and collect information, organize it, analyze it, review it, everything, and... Um, you know, even though we do get like a kind of an offhanded comment later on about how like this Ferrix incident was like they misspelled Ferrix. Yeah. And was that report by the ISB? Because I felt like it was they were talking about the report by this security branch that they were like, look how incompetent they are. That's why we, the Empire, need to take over. I didn't catch that part. No, but I. D, uh, her name, D. Deidre or Dita? Deidre. Deidre. Yeah. She makes that comment with. To oh, her, okay. one of our other people. But anyway, <clears throat> anyway, I love this scene, and it was it was great because I don't feel like Corn does that all that much acting. He just <laughs> stands there and get yelled at yeah. by like, but he I I see the gears turning in his head, and I'm feeling like I, the prediction in my head is he is starting to see the effects of I screwed up, and now this whole system that I've been on, uh, Morlana, is that it, Morlana? Yeah. Uh, we have just lost our independent ability to run this system. Right. And we've we've given it over to the Empire. Mm-hmm. They've taken it over because we screwed up right here. And we did screw up. But, like, that's going to push him further and further towards, I think, the Alliance. Oh, so, yeah. And, 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 and it'll probably push the other guys the other direction. But and I think ahead. that what this does is they had to have a way to get him onto Coruscant. Because I believe he is going to meet uh, Deidre eventually, and I think Deidre is going to uh, recruit him at some point. Because I think mm. she's going to realize this is the one guy who noticed the pattern like I did, and he's the only guy who was willing to go after mm. Cassian. Yes, he failed, but he's the one guy who saw the patterns. And so I think she's going to recruit him in some way. I think that if he turns, yeah. it's going to be end of the season. So I think mid-season we're going to see him right. get recruited by her, and she's going. And so they, it was very clever that they had to send him away back to Coruscant, back to his his mom, who's now angry with him, but also <laughs> at, dude, that's the so best relatable. Scene, <laughs> the, listen, this is the most realistic scene you've got. Shows up to his mom's house, slaps him, and the first thing she does is slap him in the face, and then hug, and then him. hug him. Yes. Oh, oh my god. Yes, that is so. <laughs> So relatable. And, so, and then there's the person is, that's across the street, the old lady who's just yeah. watching, and the mom's like... Mind little, your own and, business. Yeah, she's a little embarrassed afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> so whoever wrote that scene, and I don't think we're supposed to laugh at it, but I laughed Oh, at I laughed it at it, it too. Was just, it makes so that, much sense. That was all of the comedic relief we're going to get. Um, and his face, like Karn's face there, isn't very, like, you know, relieved. He's very... I, I would say placid. Yeah. Maybe he's he's just a person who doesn't show a lot with his face. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so maybe that's just because we're meant to think, what's he really thinking in his head? Right. We don't really know. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but certainly it was hilarious to see that. It makes you wonder, like, you know, did he leave his mom? Yeah. You know, he didn't contact her enough. He did, mm-hmm. did he leave on, like, bad terms or just she was just like, you're too far away. You need to come back, get a position closer <laughs> to me, you know. And he's like, we've he's all had with our, well, with our parents <clears throat> at some point. Yep, they slap you and then they say, "I love you anyway. Come on on, come on home." Um, I really want to get that to the Mon Mothma scenes though, because so was, oh. the Mon Mothma scenes. Oh my gosh! Oh. Well, let you. I'll let you talk. Set it up. You've got, and uh, so what's what's the name of her, the assistant? I'm trying to think of her, her name. Uh, I believe when uh, I wrote it down, I think he said Clea. I think is what I think he said. Um, uh, and because they never, this is also a part of the writing. They never say that Clea is in the rebellion or that Clea is in on everything necessarily. They don't spell it out, but there are two or sorry, three instances where they give you the subtle indication 
that she knows more than a general assistant might. One is when he says, who is, and she says, Mon Mothma, and she purposefully points out, and a new driver, that no assistant would mm-hmm. care about the driver if she was yep. not in on everything. Then you have the way that she purposefully diverts the driver to try to get his attention on the, the coins so that she can so that Luthen can take Mon Mothma in the back to yes. talk quietly. Oh yeah, perfect. So there's that. perfect distraction. But then also there's a later line um, where he says, uh, if not, Clea can always reach me. And I'll get to there's something else with yes. that dialogue, but that also lets you know she's involved. So I like the I just like the way they didn't spell it out. But you were able to use those context clues and figure it out. It's, yeah, it's, she's in on it. The the audience is it's forcing the audience to think about what they're hearing rather than it just being all direct. It's a very well. They're acting complex. with intelligence, exactly. just like we talked about this episode. They're acting as if they're being watched and they're aware and they're trying to. You know, it's not one of those things where like. I expect this driver to have been super, like, Thrawn-level aware no. and picked up on everything and been, like, reporting back to the Emperor himself. And he's no. going to show up and catch him. <laughs> no. <clears throat> they're very careful. And they're very brilliant with all their stuff. Um, and this shows the, the, the effort that they've gone through, which is backed up because Mon Mothma brings up bringing someone else in. And Luthen's like, whoa, whoa, whoa no. We've got our circle. Yep. I don't trust anybody else. And she's like, whoa, listen, I'm the person most at risk here. Yep. I'm the one who's got the most to lose, most on the line. Um, but, you know, he's he's still hesitant, and they, they don't even really finish the conversation. It's just kind of like, uh, maybe, um, <clears throat> you know, I'm sure that – and because he's veiled. Like, when you write the dialogue – you're writing everything with a double meaning because yep. they don't spend too long back there. And as he's going, he's like, I'm sure if you get in over your head, you'll know and you'll have the sense to like back out. Yes. Um, also, yeah, so that's great because it's talking about really the answer to her question. Um, but in so many other things, it could really kind of be applying to other situations exactly. too. So I, that, 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 at the beginning – they purposefully, it's the purposefully masked dialogue. Oh, your husband wants this. Oh, I'm trying to get him away from mm-hmm. this and all that stuff. It's just masked dialogue. Then they go to the back <clears throat> and they have the actual direct, they're talking to each other about the rebellion. Like there's no, nothing masked yeah. about it. They're talking. When they go back out, they have to be masked about what they're saying, but they actually are saying something to each other. So the line that yeah. he says is, it's a daring choice. But I trust you'll have the courage to turn back if it should be too much. And she mm. says, mm. you'll be here. And he says, if not, Clea can always reach me. And so when he says it's a daring choice, he's talking about her diverting the funds and supporting the rebellion. And he says, mm-hmm. if, but I trust you'll have the courage to turn back, which is saying, hey, if you think that you're being followed, hold back. We don't want to get caught on this. And he says, I'll trust you. Uh, if it should be a bit too much. And then she says, you'll yes. be here as if, hey, if I, if it is too much, is it, can I reach you and let you know that the, we're in trouble? And so he's right. like, yes, right. you'll be able to get word. So it's just, oh, that layered, yeah. that layered. Great writing. Oh, so great. Great writing. <laughs> I, I wonder, you know, is she like, maybe like as a sinner, she's like a task force she's over or some, some area of politics and she's diverted the funding mm-hmm. kind of like higher grounds did in Thrawn right, right. and she's able to divert this funding, uh, somehow through channels that, you know, and probably if we were like, if it was real day politics, we'd be like, Oh, we got, <laughs> we got senators like literally siphoning money. And we, we, we do. I mean, in, we have, we have something right now. We have something <laughs> but, that departments have called discretionary funds, which are sure, not, yes, set, discretionary. They're not, not set by the, the House and Senate when they do the, the funding. The way discretionary funds work is that the, uh, they basically say, hey, we have allocated $10 million for project development at the CIA. Mm-hmm. Now, whether that's $10 million that goes towards hiring new employees or $10 million that goes towards buying this surveillance equipment, that part is up to the CIA to do. And so it's a way mm. for them to say, hey, we don't yeah. actually want our hands on it. But senators can sometimes be involved in moving that discretionary funds, uh, depending on you know what's necessary. So this is an example of her using not just her own personal money, because we know that she will invest her, everything of her own. She will give up everything for the rebellion. But mm. you, at this moment, we're seeing her use the Empire's money to fight the Empire, which is just funny. Yeah. You know, like, I, I still, 
the, when I think about this scene, Luthen and Mon Mothma in the same scene together, they are such heavy hitters. Neither one of them budges an inch. They're able to stand being in the scene with each other. Yep. And I really give credit to the actor for Mon Mothma Genevieve for channeling. Riley. Oh my gosh, she channeled all the energy too. I mean, you know, Skarsgård is like a. Hey, Real legit actor, yeah, and she holds her own completely with him in the room. Uh, fantastic writing for the characters. I did think like this is kind of stupid because I know everybody went in and when they all, they're all like, "Look at the Easter eggs," and they're all highlighting all right, that right. stuff. You know what my thought was? Man, there's only one parking spot. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> that is true. <laughs> everybody else is all like, "Look at all these cool Easter eggs." I'm like, "Hey, Jedi Sith holocron," you know all that stuff. I'm like. Yeah, one. But where's the where's everybody else supposed to park? Well, like, it, I think this is also, like appointment only. Like well, one person can come into the store. It also shows the high end nature of it. This is not your exactly. Your, your, oh, I'm at the mall. I'm gonna walk into the J.C. Penny and get <clears> my dirty hands walk on in the, the store. No, you do not appointment, walk in the store. Yeah, but yes, also and oh my gosh, and, yeah. but, but, Luthen just nails this character so good. And when he's so charming. Isn't it like Hunger Games vibe a little bit with his like over the topishness with like the yeah yeah putting on kind the, of wig the like and the yeah the, the like the showy you know we don't have a care in the world um, yeah anyway that's good stuff and then and then also like we talked about this is where the story group stepped in and said hey let's make all these references in here which someone like me does ex- I, and I got all, some of them not all of them obviously I thought the most creative ones were the Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom uh, Easter eggs that they threw in there's a lot of the little um, uh, not statues but like these rocks the the rocks that you see in Temple of Doom are in there but also uh, hmm. when you see the Clea the assistant divert the driver you see these pieces of like stone that have artwork on them and that's the exact same artwork, not maybe not like this exact same stone, but the same type of artwork that we see in Rebels in, you know, the world between worlds where you have the father, the son and the daughter and like the hands are here, the hands here and they turn mm-hmm. all that. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. They have they have that type of stone in there. And I was like, that's like a Dave Filoni type reference. Oh, yeah. So, and I did not expect anything from the Rebels. If they're going to make a reference, I did not think they would go reference Rebels or reference Clone Wars. Well, this Wars. is the perfect place well, for them is. to, like, throw... That <laughs> is. If you're going to have a hodgepodge of, like, collective, you know, Star Wars memorabilia, right. this is the place. But my point is that, like, Dave Filoni tends to have his own, like, this is my... <clears throat> this is my stuff. Yeah. And, yeah, he worked a little bit on advising Kenobi, but it wasn't, like, a huge overlap between the two, um, between Kenobi and all of his projects. But here, uh, this is, like, this is them saying... The story group saying, yeah, Filoni's not involved. We're still going to connect it to all his stuff. So it makes it still feel that interconnected Star Wars that we know and love. Mm. So after this scene, we go back to Aldani. And we've got basically they'll first they talk about the plan. Right. And then they then they kind of like, oh, my gosh, what are you talking about? Like a garrison? I only knew about stealing the money. And then they get flown over by TIE fighters, yep. which, you know, these patrols and stuff. Then they start to get back. And that's when the rest of the gang notices them showing up. Yep. And they're like, whoa, what's what's two people going on? And I, I appreciate all of the uh, suspicion like we've talked about. Um, you've got each character has like a different level. I got a ton of Matrix 1 vibes from the crew. Interesting. From this like okay. digit. But I will say this too. I absolutely loved the costume design for these guys. Yep. Really, really great. And I love the the uh, kind of the robe that Cassian was wearing. Yeah. Um, but I, I really feel like all the characters, really good casting because just from their faces and their body language, I feel like I know exactly which type cast they are. You know, oh, you've got yeah. the like the tech savvy little kid. You've got the the medic slash cook girl. You've got the second in command who's really, you know, suspicious of Cassian uh, <clears throat> and is like, how why wasn't I consulted? And then you've got the uh, the kind of the muscles guy, the black guy who's like, yep. seems like he's, you know, probably like the tough guy of the group. Right. And then you've got the Imperial who comes in who's clearly like the, the, the second brains who spy. Yeah. <clears throat> and so you've got this entire group and uh, probably any action movie could probably fill all these same roles. Right. And it's interesting, like Cassian fitting in with them because he really does catch on to everything really quickly. And even when they t- like they have their discussions about him, like 
you know, all of these like questions and everything. I love that they'll immediately just, she's like, nope, this is happening. Make your peace with it. <laughs> and they all just have to. Yeah. Like, they all accept, okay, all right, fine. Okay, I, get, I do not like this. I do not like this, Sam, I am. One bit. But I will... Keep we got it. We you know this plan has got to happen. Yeah, three days away and all their complaints. Um, but I think he starts to like a little bit gain their respect, mm-hmm. just a little bit at a time yep. with his processing the information, adapting. They they make a comment. They're like, we can tell that he can fight. Like he he has that air about him. But like this isn't just about fighting. He's got to adapt to everything. We've got to all these clearly you know well thought out uniforms to belts to gloves to comms do we have enough comms do we have enough you know everything so anyway i loved this scene the introduction of the characters was a problem though because i don't remember anybody's name that is that is true (laughs) i don't remember people's names i think maybe we will by the end of this series i mean by the end of this sequence i don't know how i think it's maybe like two or three episodes that are going to run together maybe I don't mm-hmm. know, and I think that is a, a weakness that, like, his characters, it's hard to remember all of their names. But, other, I mean, I'm okay forgetting the characters' names if they're this great, if, if they work this well. Um, so, mm. I do want so to talk about Mon Mothma's, the whole, uh, her talk with her husband. Yeah, that's right, w- right after this scene is when we go back to, like, probably one of the most ornate like Star Warsy type prequel, very prequel vibe oh, yeah. sets that I have ever seen. Like there's like a tree of Gondor in the middle of right. her house in the ceiling. Okay, okay. Like, I'm not the only one that made that. Made oh that my connection. gosh! It's and and just the detail, the the lavish the color, rich, riches the that clearly it looks it looks all like of the that, whites. Yeah, white coloring. Mm, mm. It's it's really really something special, um, and the the Chandrillans must have you know, some incredible decoration, mm-hmm. you know, or decorative, decorative style. Anyway, I, I have no prior knowledge of her husband. This is my first introduction to the character. You, it is my first introduction to, I, I've read <laughs> a lot about Mon Mothma in the books and they've talked about like either children in the EU or family members and stuff, but I don't remember a husband ever. And maybe this is an original and maybe this is just a character that they plucked out. But I like the way that they did it with him being this person that, you know, it's the rebellion's not real for him yet. He doesn't, he's more about, he's that person that he's, it's it's actually a flip on the trope tip. Oftentimes you have Mm -hmm. like a politician and his wife is the one who's all about the, the, the jewelry. She's all about the opulence and just like the, oh, she's just a, a trophy wife type thing. That's kind of the opposite here where Mon Mothma is the brains and she's the, the politician savvy all and she's like good hearted. Whereas he's just like, hey, these are the fun people. I, I put you at the boring end of the table. This is the fun <laughs> end of the table. I thought that line was great because it's like, yeah, spouses would act like that. They would be like That's interesting. That they would play off of each other. And maybe that's why it's cause it's like the opposites attract type thing. But it just shows how, yeah. in this one scene, we completely understand <clears throat> their full dynamic in their relationship. So, but I'm not sure. I don't think the show has told me how I'm supposed to feel about him yet. I feel like we'll get to that next episode, and there will be a moment where he has to choose. Like, is he aware of Mon Mothma's, you know, activities? Or is it. he, and like disapproving of them? Or is he like secretly looking for a chance to kind of, you know flip the script on her and say, you know what? I'm going to distance myself from you before I get dragged down with you. Um, and so I, it could be that he's already made his move by inviting Sly Moore. And, um, who, who is the other one? Ours. I don't remember all the Dengor. names, but I remember um, <clears throat> So yeah, these dinner guests that she's clearly like, she says that these people undermine her. They do everything they can to like stop anything she touches. So, and that sounds like very, very familiar to like current politics where there's like, strict party line voting, right? you know, on every issue that we have currently. Um, <clears throat> so that's, you know, very, very similar. But that's when, like, I wonder, and you did say the opposite to track, but I just wonder, how am I supposed to feel about this character? Is he going to end up good, or is he going to turn in the end, or is he going to make a mistake? And if he is aware, it's like, what a brilliant plan. Like, your skill is 
you know, you're charming and you're probably the extrovert of the room who distracts all the attention away from Mon Mathma's like under the table right. goings on. And he is the personality that covers all that up. And like <clears throat> eventually, you know, he's going to be useful in that way. And that's why she's with him. Maybe that's what we see. I don't know. The one character, one character in the West Wing says, don't you want me to have a shred of credibility? And he's responded to by <clears throat> saying, your ignorance is your credibility. And I wonder if that's how Mothma mm. is. I wonder. I almost wonder if he would be willing to go along with Mon Mothma, and she just hasn't told him because she knows he's a <clears> much. <throat> he doesn't have a good poker face. He's much more effective hmm. as the aloof right. husband. And so she. She. It's like you can see how painful it is for her well, that she really just wants she, to confide in him, but maybe it's just she just knows he can't. He can't possibly take it, so I have to utilize him. Here's why I think that at the very least he knows a little bit because he or she says to him like, Hey, why don't you invite some of those guests from, um, whatever race it was like, uh, they, the empire just cut off their shipping lanes right. yesterday. Why don't you invite them? And this, this whole passive aggressive comment. And I don't think that we're meant to know who these people were, no. but clearly he, does. he knows that she's disassociated with the empire, that she's not on good terms. Yep. And so at the very least he's not completely blind to it. Um, I think that like he, he I think he knows I think he knows that, I think that he knows that she's unhappy. I don't think that he knows that she is secretly plotting a rebellion out of their back storage room. Like <laughs> I don't think that he knows that she is right. sp- diverting funds. That's possible. But yes. I think that he know like obviously it's like he obviously knows like <clears throat> if if we're going like if we're going real life politics, he knows She's obviously a Democrat or she's obviously a Republican and so obviously has certain political views, but he may not know that she's secretly a reactionary plotting to overthrow the government. That, that's the difference is I think he obviously knows what her stances are like, hey, I don't like these guys and I don't like mm-hmm. their politics. But he's like, hey, you know, uh, the other party, they're, they, they, they're better at parties. <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, interesting. Little little pun there. I I'm gonna move past it because I didn't think it was that funny. <laughs> uh, so the um, yeah, I I love the scene. It's gonna be for me. I'm looking so much forward to the dinner scene of that. Oh I feel yes, like I think that's gonna be great. It's gonna be and we know it, be we know we get something I hope out we of get it, that. or at least something <clears throat> in their apartment because we saw in the trailer her with. I've not been watching the trailers. Uh, no no no. I don't like, want to no, know the, the next time the um. Oh, the OG trailer. The OG trailer. Okay. I don't watch episode previews. I just, and I do not like to watch episode recaps either. And I've told you this before, but it's because they'd be like, you know, and they're bringing up a thing. Like if you watch like House of Dragons or whatever you watch, they're like, you know, and they're like, oh, and this character really wanted a dragon. And guess what happens that episode? They get a dragon. (laughs) It's like they're reminding you of what's about to happen. I'm like, please don't do that. Rely on me to remember. So I skip those recaps. If you're like me and you're like, don't tell me. I want to I wanna trust my own knowledge. If I'm going to pay attention to the show, let me pay attention. Anyway, that's where we go into back to Vel and the rest of the group. And they've got this kind of like... Miniature. Um, I guess it's like a miniature. And he's like, hey, don't touch it too hard. Exactly. And the glue's not really That's so, solid, right. that's so relatable. <laughs> like, I, like, I don't tell you know, the people who are like, hey, I spent <clears throat> so long making this. Just don't let, like let me ate, touch it. I ate roots. And did nothing but build this model during my free time, you know. We um, had but they talk but about like uh, for three stinking days. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like meat's back on the menu. <laughs> Hobbit meat, Mike. Right? <laughs> right? <laughs> Hobbit meat. Right? Right? Oh no! Uh oh! Wow! There's a. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that meme. That's a great meme. <laughs> so um anyway they they relay out their plan they talk about why the empire even took over there because all donnie is mentioned as being like not too close yeah. or too far away from anything so it's like the ideal shipping place if you want to spread your influence across the galaxy right and they're like this is that's exactly why the empire's here and that's why they've done this to like the native peoples. They even talk about the influence on like the locals and what they've done. And that's when they get to this like escape thing 
where they're going to try and fly, fly like a... Well, Cassian says it's not really flying because this, like, it's basically a freighter that's probably got a big fat butt and super slow. Um, and they're going to, like, try and escape from, like, TIE fighters in this, like, freighter loaded down with payroll after they steal it. They're like, but we've got this cool uh, crystal uh, fireworks show that's going to, you know, like, meteor shower cover our tracks. Right. And that's when they get to that. You know, it's kind of, it could, could be very visually appealing. Uh, expect that to happen, and maybe the next episode could be really cool. And um, and in this scene, like maybe this is you know I'm a big defender of Solo, and I love Solo, and it's still one of my favorites. But <clears> one <throat> of perhaps the failures of Solo is that they didn't perfectly execute the heist scene at the beginning. You know, you have Val and the crew, and you have uh, you know the Ardinian <laughs> character, and they all have to go and steal the the coaxium. But one of the questions I always had is why on earth are they transporting the coaxium on a uh, on a train in Star Wars? Like, coaxium is hyperfuel, so it should be transported across ships, like, going into the space. Why is it transporting mm-hmm. on this train? Now, maybe there's a reason that they're transporting it from the mine to the... Um, uh, maybe they're transporting it from the mine into the, um, uh, into, like, the spaceport or something. But they don't explain. Mm. Seems this like is why yeah, we're, you're this asking is, to be robbed. Yeah, you're, it, it's like, like why? Why do you have this step there? It seems unnecessary. But at least like here, if you're gonna, if you want to train this. heist scene, you have to write it in the old west, or you have to make it believable for right whatever universe you're in. Exactly. So that's where they're stuck at. They they wanted to do that scene so badly, they forgot. Oh, does this make sense? Right, and if they and had I'm, done that scene, I'm on literally Coruscant. loving that Andor's not doing that. Yeah, yeah if the, Coruscant, there's tons and tons of, I'm sure, like metro public transportation. We've seen that in. Clone oh Wars. my gosh, we didn't talk about we didn't talk about the airport scene. Yes. Oh my gosh, oh, when Luthen yes. lands, I loved that scene. It was so small, like the detail. But listen, you've got like you know. Shuttle board now boarding this. Don't forget your boarding pass, and you know next boarding this ship. You know it's so cool. I'm like, oh my gosh, this feels so like Star Warsy and mm-hmm. real. Um, anyway, uh, but we see, them and that's exactly like super Coruscant vibes too. Like, like I don't. It's not you, at all the Tatooine. That Tatooine now boarding the Millennium Falcon. No. Were you afraid <laughs> that they were not going to get Coruscant? Because I think a lot of people. Because they these aren't the super nerds, I think a lot of people were afraid that they were going to try <clears> to tackle Coruscant and get it done poorly. And I think Eckhart Slatter talked about this that he was afraid going in that they were going to um, uh, that it was going to be done poorly. But it seems like they what I don't know whether it's the writers that got it or the director or the the story group or a combination of all of them. But it seems like they were able to get the feelings yes. we needed from Coruscant. And so far, we've only seen like the upper Coruscant, every, yeah. uh, just the clean. No, no the we super saw clean we Coruscant. saw him descending a little bit into his like the, the apartment that his mom's at. It's not that big a yeah, but it's like a mid, it's not like mid-level. graffiti on the walls. It's not no, no, no it's not like it's that. not dangerous. No, 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 no. It's not like where you know I would imagine how many levels she was like uh, so. Governor Price went down like 400 levels accidentally one time, yep. and she was like, had to be rescued by high, higher skies in the Thrawn book. Right. And she was like, a, she was afraid literally just to walk to the next turbo lift. Yep. You know, like, uh oh, this is not good, you know. And that's Coruscant. Just, but, but merely, even in like the same elevator, the same turbo lift, just too far down. So, anyway, um, back to um, this whole like Starpath thing. The Starpath unit, yep. like that's the the red herring that's going to lead them to eventually. Do you feel like that um, the the lieutenant is going to find and chase down or track Cassian? Oh, for sure. I think at like, some point, at some point, he's going to. They're not going to show up at the at Aldani, are they? Or are they gonna, they're going to show I, up after that? I think it's or they're going to the be like after Aldani was like, oh, we. They totally hit this big thing now, and we've got all the breadcrumbs from the little things that Cassian did before, and now we put it together, and now we've got a lead on them, and they chase them the rest of the show. Aldani is the bridge. bridge, This this is like the bridge episodes. Before, this is just Cassian escaping. This is getting him into the rebellion in his first little mission, and it's also setting up the Imperials and the group of the Imperials that are going to go after him. 
then mm. in the next couple of episodes, they'll plan out a mission and he's doing it for all the altruistic reasons now. Ah, but now, ah, here, now we had another complication. The imper- the bad Imperials, these guys are going to be there this on the next time. This time, <clears throat> it wouldn't <throat> work for them to be present on Aldani. So I'll actually be disappointed if they show up on Aldani. Right. I agree. I agree. I think it should be a successful mission, learns him some credibility, but then in the future, they run into more hiccups and they need him. Although there will be something that goes wrong right. and he will ne- be needed. He was called a critical, we have critical backup or critical something. Yeah. Uh, Redundancy, critical redundancy. Yeah. So they needed him, and he's basically the, he's the uh, understudy yeah, <laughs> in the play for that's every part, <laughs> for everybody. And the in the episode ends with him saying like, "Wait, I have to memorize all this, all this by morning. Can I at least eat?" <laughs> they like, "I'll take first watch. Just memorize it all by morning. That's what you got to do." I've, I've been, I've, I've been in plays where we had an understudy, where basically the person was there and they were just soaking up everything, but they didn't know which part they'd get. And then one of the people got sick literally the night before, and so it was like, "Oh, she's not coming." So that night he had to like get prepared, learn all the stage directions, learn everything. And wow. so, like, there's, there's a reason why you have these redundancies in place. There's a reason. Yeah. An understudy in concept, to me, just sounds like you get, you're someone whose job is to, like, do nothing and just, like, wait and assume the person's going to get sick or something. But it's an incredibly important and challenging role because you have to be prepared for the worst to happen and you have to be willing to step in and do it right. It's like you have to be the almost – it's almost like that's the most impressive person to be the understudy. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So for me, um, nine out of 10 on this episode, it was so well written. It was paced beautifully. It was not too short. Uh, every dialogue moment was, was wonderful. I loved it. And this episode is more wonderful on successive viewings. So it's the episode that I needed and, it's everything that's that need this show needed to set it on the right path. And I'll be honest, like I'm going to set an alarm this week. I'm going to get up in the middle of the night, watch the episode and then go back to sleep. That's how excited I am. Whereas before, like for this past episode, I was like, eh, I don't care. And then you, and then you watch, that's how much of a difference. That's how much of a difference. One episode can make. Now I hope it, I hope it continues. What would be your ranking? 9.5 actually. I like, seriously, Nine this is this is up there with the child <clears throat> and that episode of Book of Boba Fett with the Mandalorian um, and the season two episode, The Duchess. Um, it's I think that's what it's called. Yeah, this is this is in my my top echelons of Star Wars television storytelling. It would for for me to be up there, it would need like, you know lightsabers or it would need a little extra star Wars it would need shit. the force it would need right a, like yoda or some you know right. i would like yeah it would need that i get it I, but it doesn't need it that is a me, but i get it, it is a flawlessly executed and written and directed episode all the good things that i could say directed towards it so Big, big, big fan. We will see where this uh, goes. Apologize, by the way, to everybody out there for the lateness of this you know, <laughs> podcast episode. We uh, obviously I was out of town. I had to I was sick. So we are so thrilled to just get this out if we can, hopefully before the, <laughs> the next episode even comes out, if possible, you know, maybe uh, <clears throat> depending on on time constraints. But uh, I really, really am so glad that this episode happened where it did because it was perfectly positioned to win back the fan base. And I don't know that everybody, cause there's always the haters, but right. literally anybody who was paying attention to this last episode and gives it a chance, especially a second watch. I don't know how you could take anything away, but Oh, it's that type of show now. Okay. I'm just, let's go. I'm, I'm in for this from the last Wednesday when you and I got together and James got there when you when I first talked to you, you were so ner- you had just seen the three episodes, the first three. You were so nervous. You were like, "It's good," but I don't know if this is like you were. So it was so interesting 
compare that with how we feel now just in one episode <laughs> just yeah, how much yeah, one no. episode can do for the show like that nervousness is <laughs> and all i gone. really like these characters more than i did the characters and some of them died anyway right um earlier on or they were just you know they're they are moved and they're in a different sin- environment now right. but yes so much so much good stuff let's see what happens i'm on down um man this was a great episode. Anything else you get to add? Nope. But uh, you can find us on Simplecast, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and Radio.com. You can find my uh, YouTube channel, Jonathan Cohn. You can find my Star Trek written book reviews at Roku Depot. And you can find our Facebook page, Two Sons of Tatooine. But until next time, I'm Jonathan. And I am Batman. <laughs> and I am Nathan, a.k.a. NP Bro. And thank you for listening to another episode of Two Sons of Tattooing. Yeah.